Well, good morning, Core Church. Happy 2016. To turn to somebody and say, Happy 2016, and you can be seated. If this is your first time with us, not in the new year, but just any time, hey, welcome. We are glad you're here. My name is Brad Farnsworth. I'm the lead pastor. In your chair back is an orange brochure for you that we've created just for you so you can get some information about our church, kind of know what we're about and who we are. And then after the service, we want to invite you to come to Starting Point. We would love to meet you um, and put a free gift in your hand. We'll tell you a little bit more about that a little bit later on in the service. Um, but today is a really special day. I, I love this Sunday because you came on Celebration Sunday. This is the day where we celebrate all of the good things that God did in the life of our church in 2015. Uh, the verse uh, that we're using today and the chapter that we're using to catapult us into what we're doing today is Psalm 34. You may have seen me put that on social media. Laura and I are praying that over you and your family, Psalm 34, in 2016. In fact, I would encourage you to write that down. Go home and just read that psalm. Make it, make it a prayer every morning. Just get up every morning and make that a prayer. And here's, here's what it says in Psalm 34, 3. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. Okay, let's, we got it on the screen. Do we have it on the screen so we can say this together? Do we, do we have that? Do we, we got it? Okay. Yeah, let's, let's say this together, okay? Come, let us tell of the Lord. Okay, stop, stop right there. Okay, I realize I didn't want to go there, but I will go there. I realize your team did not win. And you still got a little bit of a dip. But it's a new year, people. New beginnings, fresh starts. So let, let's say this like we're, like we're actually excited as people of God. Okay, here we go. Let's try it again. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. So today is Celebration Sunday, and this is a day where we gather to tell of God's greatness. So what we're going to do is we're going to tell some stories, and we're going to sing some songs, and we're just going to celebrate, and we're going to do what Psalm 34 says. We're going to exalt his name together. That's what this day is all about. So we're, we're going to look back at 2015, and we're going to look at, at the great things that God has done through Core Church, and we're going to tell some stories today. You're going to hear a couple of stories today of what God has done in people's lives. I think stories are so important. You got you to know stories. You got to hear stories because stories kind of tell you who you are. They tell you where, where you've been, and they kind of set your compasses to know where you should be headed. I, I got a really good picture of this uh, over Thanksgiving with Laura's grandma. Uh, Laura's grandma Ruth is 93 years young, and she's still going, she still gardens, and she still drives herself to the senior center in Monette, Missouri every day. And so we were sitting around and we were talking on Thanksgiving, and, and somehow we got to talking about proposals, and, and I just looked at grandma and I said, hey grandma, how did grandpa propose to you? And they've been married, was it over 50 years they were married, over 50? See, they were married over 60 years together, and he's, he's in heaven with the Lord now. And So tell us that story. And she said, well, uh, it's not much to tell. Well, tell it. We want to hear it. And so she, she begins to tell us the story. She said, well, we, we dated a little bit, and, and then uh, he pulled up to my house one Saturday, came right into the house. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. Walked right by me, 
went to my mom, went into the other room with my mom, came out of the room, walked up to me and said, Ruth, we're getting married next Saturday, be ready, and left. And left. I was like, did he ever, like, get on his knees? She's like, no, why would he do that? (laughs) I loved it. And so the next Saturday, he pulls up to the house and goes in and gets her. She's ready. They drive all over the Ozarks of Missouri trying to find a preacher. They can't find one. They finally find this Methodist pastor at his house, and he marries them, and they were married for 60 years. Stories are important. Because stories are a compass. They, they tell us who we are and they tell us where we've been. But they also inspire us as we move forward into the future. She told us a story about Grandpa and how he took a, a job uh, truck driving. And he didn't even know how to drive an 18-wheeler. He just said, yeah, I'll figure it out. And he got out on the road and he was with a guy. And the guy said, hey, why don't you drive first? And he said, no, why don't you drive first? And and so he let the other guy drive first, and he goes, listen, and he said, all right, your turn to drive. And he goes, well, confession, I don't know how to drive an 18-wheeler. But he needed a job, and he needed to feed his family, and that's the only thing he could do was get that job. And she told us that story. And that story inspired me that if my grandpa could do that, then I can make it through anything. That's what stories are about. They are there to inspire us, they're to encourage us, to help us and kind of set that gauge of where we've been and where we're going. That's what Psalm 34 talks about. In fact, I, I want to encourage you to do this in, in, in the new year. In fact, I'd encourage you to do this today because if you don't do it today, you're, not, you're probably not going to do it. But do it today, this week, or at least this month. Write down 15 good things that God did for you in 2015. Write down 15 good things that God did for you in 2015 and then post it somewhere where you look at it every single day day. Now, honestly, I know in a room like this, when we start talking about celebrating, woohoo, all the good things that God did in 2015, some of you, you come into this place today, 2015 wasn't that great. It it was a, a year filled with a lot of pain, a lot of struggle, a lot of darkness. I know that probably better than anybody in this room. Many of you know my story and you know the personal tragedy that my family experienced in just the darkness we walked through last year and darkest valley I've ever been through in my life. But in, but in the midst of that darkness, as I look back on 2015, here's what I'm choosing to do as a follower of Jesus is look back and find the good that God did for me in 2015. And what I've been able to do is even in the midst of my darkest valley, I've been able to find the good of God in that. The ways in which God lifted my head, the ways in which God carried me through that. And right in the middle of 2015, in the midst of my darkest valley, God gave me Psalm 34. And in the middle of Psalm 34, here's the verses he gave me, 17 through 20 say this, the Lord hears his people. When they call to him for help, can I get an amen from God's people? Amen? He rescues them from all their troubles, does he not? Does he not? That's who he is. That's what he does. No matter the valley you've walked to, it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. This is for you. If you uh, 
had a setback in 2015. Maybe you were betrayed or maybe you were broken or maybe somebody left you, somebody hurt you or you hurt someone or you did something or something was done to you and you've walked through a dark valley, this is for you. The righteous person, that's the person who is right with God. The followers of Jesus face many troubles. But here's the good news. The Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. I needed that right in the middle of 2015, and I wrote this in the margin of my Bible. I took a picture of it so we could see it today, and you might want to write this down because if you've been through a dark valley, you may need to hang on to this statement. This is in the margin of my Bible. You cannot rewrite the past, but God can write a new future. You cannot rewrite the past, but God can write a new future. So whether 2015 was the best year ever for you, or the darkest valley for you. We are here today to celebrate the good things that God has done. Let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you for bringing us through another year. We declare as your people, you are good. You are great, you are glorious, and you are holy, and you alone are righteous. We come now to celebrate your name, not celebrate a church, not celebrate a person, but celebrate our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. May you be glorified in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. In 2015, one of our core values here is the word compassion. We exist to love the world through compassion. And we do that through uh, local and global missions. You saw on the screen last year, you uh, gave over $40,000 away to others. It did not stay in-house, but it went out locally and globally. Yeah, give yourselves a hand. That's good. That's good news. We don't hold on to it just for ourselves, but we want to bless the world around us. One of those groups that we partner with and we're honored to partner with is ABBA Center. Buddy and Alicia Davis started that well over a year ago, uh, ministering to uh, the homeless, to incarcerated men and women, to uh, people living right there in that area through ministries like Celebrate Recovery, people getting free from their hurts, their habits, and their hang-ups. And Buddy and Alicia uh, call Core Church their home. They're not with us today. I wish they were so we could honor them, Uh, but he's out speaking. Uh, And I love that about him. He's out getting the word out about Abba Center because we're one of several churches across northeastern Oklahoma that partner with Abba Center. But Abba Center is making an incredible impact. It's why we partner with them. It's why I encourage you and we encourage you week in and week out to get involved in the ministry of what they're doing. I want you to hear one of the stories. I want to invite John Tate to come up. John, uh, give John a hand as he comes. John is, is one of these guys, and we have a, got a chair coming for you here, my friend. And then we got one more coming. All right. Uh, but John, go ahead and have a seat. You have a seat, and I'll just grill you on the chair until they bring my, mine. I just like a, I'm kidding. Just can we get just one spot on John right now? So this, like, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, what I love about John's story is 
John's story isn't just a 2015, thank you, uh, isn't just a 2015 story. Uh, It's a journey. And I mentioned that we reach out to incarcerated men and women through Avalon. We've been doing that for a long time. It's a big part of our ministry here. And John, you you were one of those guys. And you started riding the bus to church and met Buddy and Alicia. Uh, in uh, 2008, I had shown her to a place uh, called Avalon, and uh, it took a couple of months of a friend that was here inviting me to this Saturday night thing uh, to actually go. Uh, that led to me being more and more involved, actually starting to come on Sunday mornings. Uh, to back then, it was called Family Church, and uh, it, it really made an impact on my life. I had a a, a time period, you know, almost three years clean for me. That was uh, a long time. I battled with addiction most of my life. I know I look like I'm only about 19, but it's a long time. I battled <laughs> with addiction, um, so. Um, I, I happened during that time period to, uh, of cleanness, I, I fell back into my addiction and um, was gone from the church for about four years. I, I, I met my wife and through my addiction, we, uh, we lost our children to DHS. Um, my wife passed away because of her addiction in 2014 I found myself um, right back at Alba Homes where I had started out in 2009 Um, for those of you who don't know what Alba Homes is Alba Homes when men come out of like Avalon or incarceration this is a transitional home where it helps them get back on their feet. Uh, it's a place where men come together and share with one another, encourage one another. And so you were actually a part of helping to start Abba Homes yeah. Yeah, around buddy, 2008. Yeah, buddy, Alicia, um, a few other members of family, our family church, we all met for close to a year. We met um, to come up with the rules, regulations, and decide how we were going to get this thing started and um, I was the first house manager um, fairly proud of myself at that point in time and I, I looking back on it I think that pride was a tool of the devil I, it, it led to some anger issues that um, caused me to relapse and uh, like I said that relapse lasted about four years um, until I find my way back to Buddy again and back into Abba Homes without Buddy and Leisha and what they do. Um, I don't think I'd be sitting here right now. I was in a about a two and a half year battle for my kids with DHS when I moved back into Abba. And I had just lost my wife. You know, all my, my three beautiful children were gone. Um, lost my house. I didn't have a job. Pretty much 
rock bottom. I thought I was at rock bottom when I went to prison, but that was the lowest I've ever been in my life. Um, and that just built a foundation for me to be able to start giving things to God. And I, I made the decision to let God have control of my children. I was tired of fighting DHS. I've been at ABBA for about three months and uh, I chose at that point in time, I didn't have a job, I didn't have any means to support them just to, to let God have it and knowing that he would take control of it. <clears throat> Sorry. So you fast, um, fast forward a little bit here. So you, you lose your wife, you lost your kids, but then the, the church, not just Buddy and I, I mean, we, we prop up uh, people and I love Buddy and Alicia and what they do, but Buddy would be the first one to say, stop talking about me because it's the church, it's, it's you and the difference that you're making. And so the church comes in and, and then last year, um, things changed dramatically for you. One, you, you stood on the stage, you graduated from a step study. That was pretty amazing. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you've since now transitioned out of ABBA homes. You're not in ABBA homes anymore. Right, right. I'm on my own. I've, I've actually, I've got a, uh, a pretty decent job now, which was, it's been a battle ever since I went to prison um, to find decent work with decent benefits. And um, within this year, I've I've actually got a, a good promotion, uh, a nice raise, uh, makes it a lot more comfortable to me. But I, I really think within that uh, is part of me. Once I, I give my children to God, and and I, I gave my my finances to God. That's two things. I was raised in the church. I, I knew better than to do what I was doing for 15 years. My dad was a fireman by trade, but he was a licensed local minister. So I, I knew Christ as a child. I, I, I knew what I was doing for so long was wrong. But when I was able to give God my kids and let him trust that he would take care of that, I, I the other thing I like to hold on to is my finances. I, I was able to give God my finances in a time of weakness when I had nothing. And he has been faithful and true. Uh, and sometimes I like kind of grind at Brad, like, what, give more? Oh, because God's right there going, yep, he's right, give it, give it. And I'm like, what, God, come on, man. Oh, you're preaching up in this place now. Preach it, man. You got the mic, you just keep preaching. <laughs> but it's like the more I give, the more God gives back to me. That's right, um, that's right. Come on. So, uh, but, to, but let's, let's get, you, you got you to gotta get to this. So your kids go into DHS custody. I love what you said, and, and somebody needs to hear this. You released them to God, and you lost them. You lost uh, your rights to them. They were adopted by another family. But in 2015, that family came back into your life, and you've had now reconciliation with your children. 
and to the point where they've actually, they're spending time with you on the weekends and staying with you. Wow. Like I said, it started really on Christmas Eve of 2014. It was the first time I really, I had been talking to the foster family and they were a little leery of me and they had good rights to be. Um, but we started a relationship that God has flourished into like I mean we're part of their family now um, we were with the foster family and their parents and there's a, a Christmas Eve this year again with my children um, wow. we you know not to mention they stay the night with us at least uh, if not every other week at least once a month they're with us all weekend um, uh, we've had them for up to a week the uh, this year, and, and our, our, my relationship, not only with the foster family, but with my family, my parents, my mom and dad, um, and I think most importantly, with my church family, there's been so many people over the years that I've known here that have loved on me, that have given me support, that I know if I'm broke down on the side of the road, I can call them, and they're going to be there just like that, you know, and for me to be away from that kind of support and love for so long uh, is it was part of my downfall so to be back involved in people that love me and that are going to be there for me is is just amazing and i thank everybody here for everything they do we just give john a, a hand clap of support of support i'm gonna pray for you Let's pray for John. God, I just thank you for John's life. Thank you for his story because his story is so many of our stories. A story of reconciliation, a story of second chances, a story of hope. And in this moment, I just pray blessing over my brother for 2016. That he's going to have a year of favor with his children, with his bosses. Favor and blessing with you. I pray, God, you too give this man a voice like you've given him on the stage today, a voice to tell others that there is hope in Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, I want you to hear another story. Um, one of the things we believe in here at Core Church, you can't be around Core Church very long to know that we have a passion for prayer. In fact, we're going to have a time of prayer here in just a few minutes at the end of our service. But we believe in the power of prayer. It's foundational to everything we do. Like Wednesday night, we'll show up for core community. You need to get there. You need to be a part of that. We see miracles take place in that environment through prayer. And we have a time of singing and teaching and a time of prayer. It's just unbelievable. Don't worry, we won't make you pray out loud or anything like that, but it's an opportunity for you to come and be with God's people. And we just pray all the time around here. We pray everywhere, out in the halls. It's just everything that we do. It's foundational. I just believe in prayer. I believe we can't move without prayer. We, we have to have prayer. Prayer has got to be foundational in your personal life. Your personal life, and if you have a wife or a husband or children, your family cannot move forward in 2016 and receive everything that God has for you if you don't pray. Now, I'm preaching right now, but you need to hear this. You got to pray in your homes. If you're not experiencing the blessings and the favor and, and, and the, just the love of Christ, 
as close as it can be in your life, you got to start praying in your family. That's your New Year's resolution. Forget the gym. Forget the national championship. We're not going to have one for a long time. Prayer. Make prayer your New Year's resolution. I'm going to start praying. My family's going to start praying. We are going to be a people of prayer. We hit a hardship and a difficulty. We're going to press through it through prayer. So I wanted Jesse uh, Bimes to share with us because Jesse and I have known each other now for quite a while. Jesse used to come every year we do playlists and we sing songs from the radio. It's a really great series. And the very first one we did, he came, he sang a journey song. And we we're like, dang. Um, and we we're like, hey, we need to recruit him, get him coming. Uh, and he, he didn't. And he kept coming back every year, though, and singing these songs. And this last year, you and your lovely wife, Sarah Dawn, and your kids became a part of Core Church. Yeah. Thank you. But I want you to share, there's three incredible life-altering answers to prayer that happened for you in 2015. Um, the first two go back really more to your childhood of uh, you had some, some health issues, and I'll, I'll just let you share that real quickly. Sure. Well, um, I was, uh, we'll start with the first one. Um, when I was about eight years old, I don't, I don't remember quite how old, but I, I started having ear problems. You know, lots of kids have earaches. Um, but we would go to the ear doctor all the time. I constantly, constantly had ear infections. We did the tubes. We did all these things. And my mom was always taking me to the doctor. And somewhere after they took my tonsils out, they so around eight, they learned that I had this disease called cholesteatoma. I know nobody knows what that means. I can't even spell it. Don't ask. But... Um, it's, it's a tumor that, that gets into your uh, mastoid cavity, which is the area between your brain and your skull. And I'm going to throw out words that nobody understands. But um, it, for, it, for lack of a better term, it eats away at that, at that bone. And it, it screws up your, your, your eardrum, all the, the bones in there, there that, that uh, are supposed to work. So I, from... Eight years old until about 16, I, I remember a surgery a year, maybe at least once a year. I swear I've had nine, uh, nine or ten ear, ear operations. And they would always go in and clean it up and say, well, we got it. And then a year later, I'd still be having problems and it'd still be there. Um, and then around somewhere around 18, um, actually, I think at 21, I had just gotten married. I had my last surgery. It had been four or five years because I really quit worrying about it and I just didn't care anymore. I always had a problem with my ear. I'd been deaf out of it my entire life. I could hear like 10%, but nothing substantial. So I'd kind of given up on it. Anyway, 20, uh, 21 years old, I have one more surgery where they clean it out and they actually at this point find that there's no more cholesteatoma, which is great news, but they try and do some things to fix the hearing. And again, still, I hear nothing out of my left ear. So um, continued living my life just you know, mono one side. I don't hear stereo, and that's cool. But um, that's just crazy, though, because you're singing right. every week, lights out with in mono. Amazing. God, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I I get that. You know, I understand. It's weird that I some. I don't know. Just the grace of God. Yeah, that's all Amen. I can ever. It's always been God's grace and a gift. And I, uh, I'm going to get emotional the more I talk. And but my ability to sing, my ability to speak, 
it's all a miracle. It's all an answer to prayer. Because with, with a kid, as, as, with as little hearing as I have, there's no way I should be able to utter a note on key. And for some reason, God blessed me with. Right. Uh, thank you, you know. Um, so then 2015. 2015, I go in for a, a, a checkup just because it's been a long time. I thought, hey, I better have this year looked at, you know, might as well. It's been five years. Six, oh, it's been 15 years. I'm way older than I thought. 21. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Keep I am positive, 36 Keep years old. So it had been like 15 years, legitimately 15 years since I'd seen a doctor um, for my ear. So I went in to see this guy, Dr. Voth. And uh, he looks at my ear, he's like, whoa, this is bad, you know, and there's all this stuff in there. He's like, you, you don't hear out of there? And we do a hearing test and you look at it and yeah, I don't hear. Um, and he says, well, you know, we can do some surgeries that might help you fix that hearing. And I'm like, yeah, they said that before. And he's like, no, we have this thing. We have, it's, it's called a bone anchored hearing implant. And uh, he pops this little, little uh, head, headset thing on me and uh, plugs it in and all of a sudden I hear my wife over there talking and she's on the left side and I'm not hearing it out of my right side. I'm, I'm hearing out of my left ear and I'm like, whoa, you know, and he leaves it on for five minutes and I'm, I'm just hearing the conversations. Adele's over there playing and usually it's like, you could talk to me on my left side and I just totally ignore you because I have no idea what you're saying. And I'm hearing in stereo for the first time in my life. Wow. And, uh, and I'm like, what is, you know, this is an amazing miracle. And he pops it off. He's like, so what do you think? I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I'm like, what? Hey, whoa, whoa, put that back, you know. Um, so he, uh, he tells me about this thing. I, I, go, I went in um, December 1st, and they, it, it's, it's kind of a big deal. They took this, a screw, uh, really, literally a screw, and they drilled a hole in my head. Uh, you, so you guys can see it. For a while, I was wearing this big red, white thing, but... They drill a screw into my head, and then in 10 weeks, I get this uh, implant that takes the sound, transfers it from out here into my cochlear, and I hear in stereo. Now, I haven't got there yet. I, I just experienced it. I'm, 10, I'm still a month away. February 1st is the day they turn it on. But due to an amazing answer to prayer, God has given me the ability to hear out of both ears. Man. Something so, I never thought I would So in February, Sarah Don be going, I know you yeah, can hear. Yeah, there's some downsides. They're, they're 100%. Right. I, can't, I can't turn myself this way. <laughs> okay, so uh, there's two more, and I, I, for the sake of time, we yeah, I'll be fast limited here on time, but I, I wanted to get to these other two. You had a de degenerative hip issue from, being, from the time you were a little boy. Yeah, second grade. Never going to walk, right? It's basically deteriorating. It's just going to disintegrate. Right. At, again, second second grade, I, they found out that I had this thing called perthes real quick. It's like when, when it, the blood stops going to your bone, so the bone doesn't grow and it dies. Mm -hmm. And this is an eight-year-old. I'm an eight-year-old boy. So from eight-year-old eight to fourth grade, I was in crutches. I was in this weird cowboy brace, and they tried to make things better. Um, I saw the Shriners every day, every year until somewhere around 14 where they said everything's okay. So but I still had this terrible hip. Um, and then I became real active. I was a kid who couldn't run, and all of a sudden at 14, you know, I started playing football and doing all these things on this hip that was really bad. And then over time, I got heavy. You guys don't know, but I used to be really, really heavy. I've lost a little weight. Um, but putting all this pressure on this hip that was just dying. 
Um, and at 18, the doctors, the Shriner said, you'll need a new hip. You just have to wait until you're much, much older, until you can't live without the pain. Because at that point, they weren't putting hips in young people. Um, so we'll fast forward to just this last year, my hip had, it was literally at that point, but I was hopeless. I was literally at the point where I didn't think that they would do it. I thought I had to be 50, 60 years old. The pain was overwhelming me. Um, and pain pain does terrible things. I mean, I start, it, it, it bled into my, my personal life. I treated my family badly because all I could do is think about this pain and this constant uh, nagging and, um, you know, I couldn't walk, I couldn't stand, but I had to do these things. Um, but I'd go home at night and I would literally, I'd, I'd cry um, secretly. I'd cry in front of my wife. I, I, I started self-medicating. I like to drink a little beer every now and again, but I would try and drink one extra beer. Maybe, just maybe one and the pain will get better and nothing worked. And I would literally pray every day for, you know, a light for the pain to stop. And um, just a few months ago, a friend of mine who was just a couple years older than me posted on Facebook, his wife did, that he got a new hip. And I'm like, there's no possible way that... David got a hip. He's 38 years old, and they don't do it in people that age. Talked to David, and uh, he, he told me the name of his doctor, and lo and behold, his doctor was on my insurance. I went in and uh, saw the doctor, and there was a hip sitting on the thing, and and he looks at my hip, and he's like, well, why don't we just put that one in there? And it was real, real cryptic and scary, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, we'll just hawk, hack your leg off and throw it in there. And so then there was the... <laughs> It was totally like no big deal. I mean, they're just literally cutting off your biggest bone in your body. But um, so they, there was a lot of fear in the idea of that, but there was the idea, there was this glimmer of hope and, you know, uh, I'm a candidate. I, I could get a hip. And uh, so three-month process of just going through them getting to the point where they're scheduled because they literally do this every day. I mean, they're putting hips in people left and right. They got to write on your leg to make sure they do it in the right one, which is terrifying again. But um, so, the, but the last three months were the darkest, and, and I'm not going to lie. And if it weren't for some people here praying for me, Larry, I don't know where you are, and we don't know each other very well, but you, your prayers pushed me through at the end. I'd see your face every week, and I almost, sometimes I was tired of it. I was like, yeah, he's going to say he's praying for me. I'm like, yeah, that's better because it hurts. And But every week you were faithful to tell me that. And It's uh, a pretty good Larry impersonation, by the way. <laughs> I'm good. I, I do voices. <laughs> um, but uh, every week there was somebody that that here in this building that knew what I was doing, and they knew my fight, whether it was... Diana Surratt, you were there, you knew, and I, I posted things on Facebook, but there were people in this building, in this congregation, praying for me when I didn't think I could make it. There were days in the last 25 where I really thought I, I couldn't go another step. I couldn't make another move. There wasn't enough beer on the planet. I, there wasn't enough anything for me to get through. On December 14th, they popped it in. Uh, they put a new hip in. Uh, and that's three weeks ago tomorrow. Um, wow. The the pain has gone from being debilitating and crippling and overwhelming to I don't even know that it's there. 
I know that I have a hip emplacement because there's this big incision and there's some soreness there, but I keep forgetting that I have a bad hip now. There's no pain that's not that. Amen. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's no anything. I feel normal. I start tomorrow. I start on a, on a uh, cane instead of this walker. And I'm every day I wake up realizing that tomorrow might be a little bit better. Next month I can ice skate with my daughter who asked me every week if I can take her ice skating. And I never could before next month. That's an option. You know, next month I can, I can run, I can do these things. And God was faithful to answer my prayers that there is hope. Even when it felt like there was no, there was no end. God constantly listened to the prayers. And then fast forward because I'm way long I'm sure but my wife had uh, my wife had been scheduled to have a surgery last last Monday Tuesday Sarah yeah um, I have three children Kyle um, and Jesse Jr. and Adele are over there and uh, my 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 wife and I couldn't get pregnant our first six years of marriage eight, eight years of marriage and six years ago we adopted Kyle and Jr. and they became amazing wonderful parts of our family and I would never ever ever replace them for anything and and then two three years ago we were blessed out of nowhere Saradon got pregnant just totally unexpected like we'd given up and Saradon got pregnant and we had Adele and um, so we had a promise a long long time ago that we would have children of our own and we always knew that we would adopt we just figured it would be flip-flop like 10 years ago we would have had babies and then six years later we'd adopt you know um, but it was kind of flip-flopped. And um, so three years have gone by and uh, we kind of, we, we wanted more children again, but again, it, we, we tried so many times and so often that we just didn't think it would happen. And, and again, my wife never lost a pregnancy or anything. We just had bad luck. Um, and uh, so Tuesday, Saradon is supposed to have a, a sinus surgery and the doctor comes in. He says, whoa, hold on. We, we need to talk to you in private. Um, and, uh, we had, to, we had to run some tests and, and, uh, we can't have surgery today cause, uh, you're pregnant. <laughs> and this is uh, talk about prayer, uh, and not just a 2015 prayer, but, uh, a, we got married in 2000, you know, 15 years. This is our 16th year coming in November, 15 years of praying for babies and giving up. Um, in some ways, but always having that prayer that we would have another chance to have babies. And uh, 2015, God has just taken the biggest prayers of my life and he, he answered. And it was never when I thought it would have been. I would have loved for him to have done it 15 years ago with my hip or 25 years ago with my ears, but it was now. And he's faithful to, to listen and to answer. And, uh, again, 2015, I'm, we're going to have a baby in August, uh, 2015. I'm going to, I'm going to run a 5k, you know, I hate running, but I'm going to run a 5k cause I can, yeah. uh, I'm going to hear in stereo. Uh, I'm going to actually like watch a movie in surround sound and hear it in surround sound. 